0: All right, good morning, friends. Oh shoot, I'm really having a rough It's good to see so many of you, and this weather is amazing. Because that means the heat of summer is hopefully making its way out. Fall is coming. But I know this week's going to be 80, so I don't want to get too excited. Um, if you have not met me before, and I have not met you, my name is Rachel, and I would love to meet you. So please come say hi afterwards. Um, Yeah, let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning before we get started. Father, you are so good to us. We invite you to be with us this morning. Um, We thank you for your love, and we thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to all be together today. Thank you for being with us in your name. Amen. So, the past two weeks, we've been talking about a retreat called Faith Walking, um, FaithWalking asks the question, what are the most powerful experiences that have shaped my life? Within these powerful experiences, we often create a vow, which we've talked about before, but it's kind of like a promise to ourselves, mostly to keep ourselves safe. Um, and usually that looks like an I will never or an I will always kind of phrase. So we make a promise to ourselves, usually in order to protect ourselves from getting hurt. These happen a lot when we're really young, when we're kids, but this can even happen to us as adults as we face different traumas and different circumstances in our life. Uh, these experiences can very much rewire our brain behavior, brains, and our mechanisms to keep us safe in the future for future situations that we're in. So we have all learned to keep ourselves safe and hidden in certain ways, and we've been talking about this fortress mentality. Um, the fortress mentality is, again, kind of like a defense mechanism to keep us safe from being hurt. But I think in other ways, too, the fortress mentality can also put ourselves on a weird pedestal of like importance. Like, I can keep myself safe, so I can do all of these other things because of that. So if we build a wall or a fortress around ourselves, we don't get hurt. This is called self-protection. It's actually really crazy because last night I had a really weird dream. Um, I usually have really weird dreams, but last night's really stuck out to me. And I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but I'm going to share it just in case it does have something to do with this. Um, I don't remember most of the dream, but I do remember I was trying to climb up this, like, really big hill. But it kind of had, like, little, like, divots in it as I was going up. And so I was struggling to get up this hill, Um, But in every square foot of the hill, there was kind of like a barrel of a gun sticking out, but it was kind of hidden. I don't know if you're like picturing this in your mind, but it was just sticking out a little bit. So I found that as I was climbing up this mountain to get to safety, there was danger all around me. Like there was no place safe to land, basically, um, or safe to hide. So I felt like in this dream, God was reminding me that the journey to hide myself is more hurtful and unsafe than it feels, and that I am safe with him, Um, that he's my trust and my safety. And a big question that I have asked for a while, especially within the past couple years, is, God, am I safe with you? And thankfully, he's proven that I am safe with him, but that's been a huge question that I've asked the past year or so. I've done this whole self-protection thing, and I still do it at times, um, and I've found that it's a very lonely way to live. I remember a couple years ago being at a conference, and the person that was sharing was talking about how plants still grow in the wilderness, um, and a lot of us, when we're going through something difficult, we say that's our wilderness season. I know I've been there, um, but she was talking about how plants still grow in the wilderness in the desert. But these plants that grow there are covered in spikes and have created ways to protect themselves from their environment and from predators. I think this is a really good way to sum up self-protection. We all know how impactful our childhood is on our life, and we all had imperfect childhoods. I really believe that revisiting these first formations can open up a lot of doors for healing, and that's a lot of what faith walking is. So I've worked with kids ever since I was a kid, myself. I started babysitting as a teenager, and ever since a young age, my parents called me a kid magnet, um, because it's true. I don't really know how or why, but it always happens whenever I'm in a public space, kids find me. I swear to you, they find me, they will follow me. One time in high school, I was at Taco Bell with friends after school. We were just sitting there, and this little boy just walks up to me and sits next to me, starts talking to me, and I was like hi. Like, I was happy to talk to him, but I was just like, what's going on? Um, So I went to school for early childhood education, and I'm currently a preschool teacher. But for as long as I've worked with kids, I feel like this past year has been the most significant. I think a lot of that has to do with the pandemic and kids just learning to process not only their big emotions in general, but also the pandemic and everything. And then also, As adults, it's really hard to understand kids' emotions as well. Um, Yeah, so something that I personally love to learn about is child development and how to help children process their big emotions. Um, With my journey of counseling and learning to heal my inner child, I have noticed more and more specific longings that my students have and to be more sensitive and understanding towards their big emotions. And a personal experience that I have with this um, was in a way that Jesus met me in my suffering, in my depression, when Luis and I were apart for months on end, not knowing when the end was for our visa process. There would be nights where I would just cry, sob, cry, asking God why he would let this happen to us and asking him when the pain was going to stop. And then almost a year later, so not, not too long ago, I was in school, and there was a little girl in my class who was so sad. She was crying uncontrollably. I think she was missing her mom or dad or something. Um, and oftentimes, adults can treat kids as if their emotions are inconvenient or wrong. I definitely know that I've felt that way in moments of frustration when I'm teaching. Um, and a lot of times, we will tell children to stop crying. And kids, I want you to hear me right now that your feelings are valued and you are allowed to feel what you feel and God sees you in that so just a little affirmation for you kids out there but I remember seeing her and hearing her crying and as I as I experienced this I felt Jesus remind me of how he treated me when I was crying in the same way I like saw myself in her and God never once told me to stop crying he embraced me and never once told me that I was wrong for feeling that way. And that felt so healing to me. It felt like in that moment as adult me, I was looking at child me feeling like Jesus was giving me empathy and permission to feel what I felt as a kid. And Jesus loves children and he sees them, which means he also loved and saw you as a child, all of you adults. He loved you and saw you when you were experiencing what you're experiencing. All is to say, I feel there are ways that we can embrace ourselves now and make space for ourselves now in ways that we weren't embraced or really needed it previously when we were hurting. And I honestly think that we are all just little kids, <laughs> even as adults being carried around in adult bodies. It's kind of confusing. I definitely get confused sometimes. I'm like, what? what's going on here? Um, we all still feel shame. We still all feel like we just want to be loved and held. We all still get scared and want to hide, and I'm really grateful for experiences that I've had to be able to kind of revisit my childhood because it feels like it's allowed me to reconnect with myself and to see that Jesus has empathy for what I went through and has made me, and in ways that have made me hide myself in ways today. So as I've been preparing for today, a question that I've been asking God all week is God remind me of myself. I wanted to remember specific memories that God wanted to highlight and ask God what he thought of those moments and of me in those moments. So Jesus, as I share today, may you remind each of us of ourselves and show us where you want to meet us. Um, I just want to say that these stories are mine. They may resonate with yours too and I would love to talk with you afterwards if it resonates with you. Um, And I have no shame in them and I'm sharing openly, so please be kind to me, and also be kind to yourself as you listen to these stories. Um, So yeah, I wanted to share some stories in my own life when I made vows in order to protect myself. Uh, It's weird, because I feel like I have a hard time remembering my childhood. I don't know if any of you feel that way, and I don't know why that is. I need to explore that a little bit more, but yeah, I feel like I mostly remember stories that my grandparents have shared with me. So I want to invite you into my childhood a little bit. For those of you who do know me, and if you want to understand what I was like as a little girl, just imagine me now, literally pretty much exactly the same, but shrunk into a five-year-old body, which isn't a lot of shrinking because I'm already a very small human being. So maybe just like a foot or so. Well, no, probably like, eh. You know how big a five-year-old was. I was very outgoing and carefree as a kid. I was very confident in myself and what I believed in. I had a lot of energy probably not surprising to you. And it's funny because sometimes late at night I get like a burst of energy and I don't know where it comes from. And I'll be like wide awake. And Luis calls that my crazies. He'll be like, I see that you have the crazies. I'm like, yeah, I do. I think that was last night. I was just like all over the place. Um, I really, really loved life and I really loved people and I loved them freely. I was a leader, creative, full of laughter And for a while, I knew that I was loved and cherished. I had a sense of justice and in doing what was right. I was very concerned with being good. I was a little anxious and highly sensitive. I was definitely a people pleaser, but in a very innocent way. An example of that is my grandpa was a leader in his church. And every single week, he would lead like the sprinkling baptisms and the anointing with oil. And I would go up every single week, I would get anointed, I would get baptized. And I did it because I knew that it would please him and bring him joy, but not in a way that I felt like I needed to earn love from him or that I needed to do something specific. I just knew that it would bring him joy and it would please him. Um, so, yeah, that, that was funny. Um, I was a happy accident, so I was not planned at all. Uh, my parents never got married after they had me, so I grew up with a split family. My grandparents helped raise me while my mom worked, and they became my closest friends. They're wonderful people, and I hope you all get to meet them someday. At a young age, I experienced abandonment um, from my father in that situation. So when I was four years old, my mom married my stepdad, who was a young and very insecure man. He loved me with everything he had, but it was insecurely as he became a father for the first time to a child that wasn't his. Um, after they got married and we all started to live together, I started to learn that there was a problem with who I was and I had never really felt that before. Sometimes when we love, or sometimes we love people in ways that we think are protecting them, but it's not always the healthiest and it's not always the way that they need to be loved. And I believe that none of these things were intentional that were caused to me, but that's just a little note. Um, I loved Jesus with everything that I was as a kid because my grandparents taught me how loved I was by him and about who he was, but I found that my outward love for Jesus irritated and embarrassed my dad. This is my stepdad. Whenever I say dad, I am referring to stepdad, just so you know. Um, it embarrassed and irritated him because he wasn't a believer and didn't understand. He would be embarrassed by me praying for our meals in restaurants. And I distinctly remember one time I was singing a worship song in the backseat of the car, and my dad angrily told me to stop singing. Um, And even to this day, because of that, an insecurity sometimes rises up within me when it comes to singing and worshiping.
1: So there were so many small things
0: like this that tried to seal my joy as a child. Um, Growing up in my house felt like a war zone and walking on eggshells constantly My parents would fight very often when I was younger, and those fights were very hurtful and explosive. And it was a very emotionally turbulent environment that didn't feel safe for little sensitive five-year-old me. Um, In a sense, a naivety met blinding anger directed towards it, and it didn't make any sense. Uh, My parents' tone of voice was always snappy and condescending towards each other and towards us, And I remember saying I would never treat my husband the same way they treated each other. And it made me terrified of marriage. I was so scared to get married for so long because I didn't want to be them. And I didn't want to be that way. They would threaten to leave. There wasn't a lot of stability. I often would have to comfort my mom and brother after fights. Um, And I didn't really feel like I was able to have my own needs and felt bad for asking for things. So I promised myself that I would take care of myself and I would never need anything from anyone and that I would make sure I was okay so I can take care of others. Um, My childhood lacked the affection and emotional guidance I needed from parental figures, so I learned to figure things out on my own and self-soothe. I would be terrified to get in trouble because I knew that it would lead to my parents' fighting. And as I previously said, I was very concerned with being good and doing right as a kid. And through that, I slowly learned that even if I did things right and was good, it didn't matter because I would still get in trouble. I would get in trouble for things that I didn't do. Um, My parents would assume my character and actions. Um, And I wouldn't be able to get in a word to defend myself. So even as an adult, I still have assumptions placed on me, but... Thankfully, I've been given the tools to learn to filter through what are lies. So it felt like I spent my whole life trying to prove that I was good to people who didn't see me as good. And I learned that my voice wasn't respected, so I needed to defend myself. And I still see this in my relationships today. I have a hard time accepting help without being defensive because I relied on myself for so long. Sometimes I have trouble reciprocating vulnerability because I got so used to taking care of other people and, like, asking them how they were and making sure they were okay. And sometimes I feel I just share facts about my life instead of truly being vulnerable in those moments. And my dad eventually became a Christian, but along with it came a lot of fear Fear that my brother and I would end up like my cousins, drinking underage, drugs, getting people pregnant, et cetera. And with this fear and insecurity came control and more assumptions. And this made me wonder if I could even trust myself or trust my own intentions. Were my intentions actually good? Was I good and trustworthy? Or were was I just the assumptions that were made about me? Was that all I was going to ever be? Um, it's interesting because another thing that I think of, another distinct memory that I have when I think about my childhood, this is kind of along with the anxiety thing, is I would pray the same exact prayer every single night, the same prayers in the same order. If I missed something, I would cry uncontrollably, thinking that God didn't hear me and wasn't going to answer them. And I also would pray, like, prayers about, like, asking God to kill all the bees and the mosquitoes and the crocodiles and bears, because I was afraid they were going to come after me. So... That obviously didn't happen, because we still have them. And thank God we still have them, because they're really good. (laughs) But with this praying things over and over again, the same exact way, out of fear, um, was a fear that I wasn't heard, which is something that my earthly father showed me. So I just assumed that God didn't hear me. Um, In fourth grade, I moved schools. I got glasses and braces, and I don't know if you guys ever had one of these, but I had a spacer at the top of my mouth that I had to crank every night, um, so that, was, that did a really great deal on my self-esteem. <laughs> it, was, it was a sight to see. I don't have any pictures from that time. They're all gone. Got rid of them. Um, and then as I got older in middle school and high school, I longed to be loved the way that I felt like I loved others. I had incredible loving friendships. I found community in church, and it became my everything. However, I wanted to feel loved and cherished in a romantic way, but never had those feelings reciprocated for me. And within this, I felt that something was inherently unlovable about me. I felt unwanted and out of place, but I was excited to go to college to meet new people and find healthy, loving relationships. because I was going to a Christian school, and I was very excited to find a nice Christian man. Most of the ones that I met there were not that, but (laughs) needless to say, my first week of freshman year, I met a boy, and I knew that I wanted his attention and affection. It was thrilling to think of finally having a Christian relationship and to feel loved in a way that I longed for. He eventually reciprocated the attention, but in a manipulative way. He did not want to be seen with me or people to know that we were together. He was the first boy I held hands with and the first to kiss me. He told me I did it wrong. He would put me in situations where he could take advantage of me without me being able to say or do anything about it. There was one time he broke up with me and made me write a list of several reasons of why he should come back to me. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was great. Um, after several months, he took me on our first date, which is ridiculous because we, uh, he didn't have a car. And so we literally walked to the dollar store in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and, and bought cotton candy. <laughs> and then we went and got pizza afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh, he loves me. <laughs> uh, you know how it goes. Um, and we went to a Bible study. So I was like, oh, good. Like, our relationship's on the right track. I finally feel secure in it. Things are good. He loves Jesus. This is great. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was safe in it, everything. And later that day, he snuck into my dorm room and forced me to sleep with him um after months of this ongoing summer came and he ended the relationship I went to a Christian school I thought it was safe from these things happening to me and I chose a school like that specifically to hide myself and to keep myself safe from those things um love which is not coercive became a coercive thing which it never should be love protects innocent things And my brain was rewired to believe that love takes and it doesn't give. The world is always looking for ways to hurt innocent things and to steal innocence away. As I healed from this traumatic experience, Jesus taught me that I still had innocence and purity, even though because of what I went through, um, purity culture, growing up in that, would have labeled me as my purity was taken away or stolen from me. I felt so unworthy of love, that it was something I had to earn. Got it, no I didn't, oh my god. Okay, Uh, that it was something I had to earn that I was meant to be controlled and taken advantage of and that the rest can be ignored. It's not important. So in this I vowed that I would never let myself be that vulnerable in intimacy again. I either chose people that didn't choose me or people that I left because I got scared. My following relationships would only last a couple months. Again, I would leave before they could leave me. And within trying to protect myself, I hurt so many people because of that. This is another fun story. I even dated a guy who broke up with me in our school's chapel because my spiritual walk wasn't at the same level as his, even though I felt the most close to God during that time. So, yeah, I really, really knew how to pick the good ones. There are many people who have made me feel so unworthy of life, of taking up space, of love and affection. But the truth is, I was made for love and of love, just as you guys are. It's crazy, because as I was trying to prepare for this, I was looking for journals from when I did Faith Walking the first time, which I never found. But I found other several journal entries that caught my attention. So a few years ago, I was processing Some of my childhood wounds and some of the lies that I had come to believe about myself through them, things that the enemy used to fight for my identity with, but I also answered the question, what truth has God fought for me with? And I thought I would share some of what I wrote because some of them might resonate with you today if you're believing lies about yourself, which all of us do. We all do. Um, The first one is your emotions and nurturing are a gift and from me, and are a part of who I am. You are so loved, unbelievably and extravagantly so, a love that poured out everything for you, a perfect love. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I delight in you, who you are, and what you look like, and your beautiful heart that I formed, and there's no mistake in that. You are good, without doing or being anything. You are good because I need you. I think a lot of us feel alone. We've protected ourselves so much to a point that even in our close relationships, we still feel alone, and that we're not getting close to anybody. I felt that way for so long, so long. Even in my closest friendships, I felt that for so long, that I wasn't, I just couldn't get close enough. I wasn't allowing myself to. Your guys' papers are flying around. <laughs> OK. Um, I appreciate so much that Jeff, a couple weeks ago, strung us together in a way that shows that adults feel or have felt all the same things that kids are feeling at this moment. I thought that was so amazing. I wish I would have known that as a kid. That the adults around me felt the same way. They felt scared. They felt alone. They felt shame. Um, and kids, I have another thing to say to you today. I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not. Everyone around you feels the same way that you do. And adults, I know it's easy to overhear this, but I want you to know that you're also not alone. Even if you've always felt like it, even if your childhood or adult life has told you so, you're not alone. Um, I love what Jeff said a few weeks ago that we all have God gifts that are specific for each of us. There's no other person on earth like you. Even if your friends are very similar to you and you feel like you're the same person, they're not the same as you. There's something within you that might feel hidden or you might feel like you're not good enough to be able to do those things, but you all have those specific things for a reason. When we stay hidden, these gifts also stay hidden. There's so much freedom in loving and healing your child self. Some of us have done a lot of work with this, and done counseling, but for some people, this is a new concept, and it can feel really scary, and honestly, it sucks, (laughs) like, trying to go back, and, like, work through all the things that hurt you, and trying to remember your childhood, and traumas, like, it's not fun, it's not a fun process at all, and I'm even the kind of person that's, like, Jesus wrecked me, like, I love emotions, I love talking about my feelings, not everyone's that way, but even for me, it sucks, (laughs) but, what I've found is there's so much healing to come, and it offers so much freedom. And a scripture that I have loved for a really long time, but more so recently is, let me find it, it's Second Peter 3.9, and a lot of us know this as, this is the NIV version, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But my favorite is the message version. And it says, Don't look the overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God is not late with his promise, as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving, giving everyone space and time to change. Change is scary. It's not fun. But if God is patient with us and he's giving us space and time to change, then we've got all the time in the world and we've got all the healing in the world offered to us. And another verse that I just came across this morning that I highlighted um, We've been talking about finding safety in God and finding him as a safe place and a home. And even All Things Rise is saying that, um, that God has made himself a home. And this is Psalm 90, it's the Passion Translation. It says, Lord, you have always been our eternal home, our hiding place from generation to generation. God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy to bring you healing he's trustworthy to show you where he was when you were hurt and he wants to he wants to bring
1: I don't know he he just wants to
0: bring that to completion he wants to show you where he was and if you're wanting to explore this a little bit more without committing to faith walking I love a book called Scary Close by Donald Miller it's one of my favorite books I've read it like seven times and I've gifted it to like I don't even know how many people, but it's an amazing book. It's talking about um, your relationships and how you show up in them. And it really helped me in my relationships, especially close ones. I love the song, All Things Rise, so much. It has so much significance in my life. And I'm thinking about the lyrics. It says, all things once sown in weakness, you raise in promise. Us deciding to pursue healing is sowing in weakness, it's trusting and allowing God to grow out of our weakness something beautiful, and revealing his promise for us along the way. He strengthens our weakness, our brokenness, and our stories. As I've learned to rewrite my vows, and I'm still doing this, God is speaking to me and giving me new experiences to show
1: me who I truly
0: am. In the past year, I've been able to see God's unconditional love and provision, which is something that I didn't see for a long time. Not not because of God, but because I learned that love and earthly love is sometimes conditional um, and controlling. God has shown me that my voice has power. He gave me a voice to speak truth and love. I'm good, and I don't have to earn that. My sensitivity is precious to him that he's loving and kind, and he, his discipline is out of love and not out of anger. And so what is God's invitation in all this for us? Um, I want to invite you guys this week to ask God the same question. Ask God to remind you of yourself. Ask him. Just see what he has to say. He might bring up good memories. He might bring up bad memories. But just listen to what he's speaking to you in them because a lot of times there's healing in that um. All right. So if you guys would stand with me, we're going to do communion. I almost lost my communion cracker. I don't know. I found it, but it was lost for a second. All right. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke, his, he broke the bread, his body for us, and poured out the wine, his blood for us. I think sometimes we overlook the word betrayed, that Jesus was betrayed for us, um, for the betrayals that we have done to others and perpetuated, for the ways that we've betrayed him, and also the ways that we've been betrayed ourselves. There is forgiveness and healing and communion.